With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
this message is indicted. You've been accused of something and uh, the evidence weighs in the favor of those accusations and you are now going to probably appear in a courtroom before a judge, possibly before a jury, and that indictment will be reinforced by the witnesses and the judge will take into consideration uh, those charges, whether they're accurate or not, and if found guilty of the charges that which you're indicted for, uh, you will pay a price for that uh, behavior. Somebody know what I'm talking about yes. now? Come on. Amen. That's in a natural sense. Now here, when we look at Isaiah, we see a courtroom scene, basically. And in this scene that we see, God is the judge the jury, and the executioner, all in one. Uh, it reminds me, and you'll see this in the parallels of this as you read the New Testament, particularly the book of Revelation, we see a very similar court scene. When we look in heaven, it's a, it's a court scene. God is the judge. Judgment is handed over to the Son, who is God, and the pronouncement of those indictments is handed down. But let's see, everything found, as I've said in the past, in the New Testament is embedded in the Old Testament. And uh, we'll find something here that I think is very uh, important to the day we live in. You know, Isaiah is the richest and most rewarding of the Old Testament prophetic books. Very few theologians, would, would, if any, would dispute that. It was addressed directly to God's people as they approached a great turning point in their history. You know, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, were taken away by Sennacherib of the Assyrian into captivity, never to be found again. And a little while later, Judah, and it was the southern kingdom, Israel was divided into a northern and southern, the northern ten tribes, the southern kingdom of Judah and Benjamin, uh, would later go into captivity under Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar was king. Israel would lose the promised land that God had promised to give them. They would be driven out of that land. And uh, you go back to the Sinai, the Ten Commandments, and the many other 300 and some other commandments given. God told them plainly, if you obey me and you do this, I will do this. I will bless you. I will prosper you. If you disobey, this will happen. And ultimately you will be driven out of the land. Now what is the Old Testament in, in effect for us today? As, as far as a historical document, it tells us the history of Israel since they came out of Egypt. We talked about that four or five weeks ago. I remember that. And they rebelled in the wilderness. God said, you know, you're going you're gonna to die. I'm going to kill you right here in the wilderness. Only a remnant was able to go into the land. They didn't obey God. They were hard-hearted. Once they got in the land, we have the story of the judges. What happened during the time of the judges? They were like this. They'd obey God for a time, then they would rebel. And then God would send a Gentile power in, punish them. They would cry out. He would save them, raise up a judge. We see it under David, Solomon. We go on and on through the history of Israel. And now we get to Isaiah. And the nation is about to come under complete judgment. 
They were about to be literally destroyed. And God's like, I want to ask you a question today. You're a citizen of this country that we live in. We claim to be a Christian nation, right? Okay. Do you really think we live up to the standard of what God would call a Christian nation? Do you think the European nations who claim to be live up to the... Are you familiar with what's going on in our world geopolitically? Do you think God is pleased? No, what he is seeing today, what we're seeing, is a rerun of what Isaiah is talking about here in, in the scriptures we're about to look at. And the outcome, <laughs> do you think is going to be any different? I mean, it, now you say, well, that, that sounds really pessimistic, Pastor Jerry. Why would you want to lay out a pessimist? Well, I want to show you the reality of where we are. But there is hope. There is hope. And I believe we'll see that here. Now we look at uh, one of the words we're going to see here is guilt. You know, guilt's not a popular word. We don't like to hear that today. Uh, it wasn't popular then. But it's mentioned uh, frequently as being the trouble rather than the consequence of wrongdoing. You know, we live in a very moral, relativistic world. You know, if, if uh, the idea we seemingly live by rules and regulations, that's what really gets us in trouble. Because we have a morality, that's why we have problems. You see how the tables have been turned in the world we're in now? You know, like, well, I don't, I don't think of, uh, one lady was going to speak at a college, Berkeley College, and they weren't going to let her speak because she, her message was threatening to them. We didn't feel safe because she had a right-wing conservative message, pro-life, okay? We don't want to hear that. We, we would riot, break car windows, burn things down. Uh, we don't like what these right-wing extremists believe. We'll punch them in the face. We'll do all this because guilt. We don't have guilt. Just do what you want. I think Aleister Crowley wrote that it is a uh, Law of Philema, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Well, that's really where we live today. In a satanically controlled, Luciferian society that says if it feels good, do it. There's no moral absolute. Well, you know, the Bible doesn't teach that, does it? There are laws and rules that we need to go by that make us pleasing to God and give us a sense of decency and morality in our, in our world. Well, I want to look at some things. And our, the key verse today would be Isaiah 5, 7. He looked for justice, that is the Lord, but behold, he saw oppression. He looked for righteousness, but behold, a cry. We need to see that. That's where we are today, church, in our world. That's where we're at. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today in your house with your people. Lord, they're your people, Father. Father, I need your anointing today to minister your word to your people. I can do nothing apart from it. Speak to us, Lord, Holy Spirit, from your word. Lord, we are your vineyard, your planting. Bear the fruit in us that you desire, Lord. Uh, prune us where we need pruning. Cultivate us in a way that is pleasing to you, Father. Move in our lives. Show us the things we need to change. Show us what we need to be doing, Lord. 
And help us, Lord, to be broken and contrite in Your presence. Lord, to be all that You want us to be, Father, and please You with our lives. Lord, I thank You for that in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Indicted. Isaiah chapter 1. We have the superscription there in verse 1. The vision concerning Judah. God gave uh, Isaiah a vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem. That You can translate that as Israel as well. Though, uh, it, when, when we hear after the time of Isaiah the, the, the term Judah, it really refers to Israel as a whole. Uh, even though the ten tribes would ultimately be carried out today, uh, the, the, the bulk of those in the land are, are the Judaites, amen, that's where the name Jew has come from, and uh, Jesus was the lion of the tribe of Judah. We see that uh, a vision concerning Jerusalem that Isaiah the son of Amos saw, that's the one giving us this word, Isaiah, and he saw it, he places us in the time frame during the reigns of Jonathan, Ahaz, Hezekiah. These were the kings at the time in Judah. So we know when Isaiah prophesied and what time it was. And we know that judgment would certainly come shortly thereafter. And here we have an indictment given by God Himself. It's the word of the Lord. And God is speaking to His covenant people, to His own. He's not speaking to the Gentile, the unbeliever, but rather to the believer. And this is what He has to say. And there are Five indictments here in the first chapter of Isaiah. Five charges leveled at his people. And I want you to notice when we read these charges, and I want you to be honest, do you see these in our world today? Do you see these charges in the church today? Do you see these charges in your life today? Uh, somebody said, well, I don't know about my life. Look inward. Look at yourself. I, I mean, I'm looking at me. I mean, this is a word of the Lord for this time, to this day. Amen. And, and we need to hear it. Let's look at the charges that God levels at His people. That's just, I hate to even say that, His people. How did it get to this? What, how did it get to this point? Now, God had literally chastised Israel Time and time and time and time, but generation after generation, he chastened them. And they had got to a point, we can look at it in a, a historical context, history gets to a point where people don't listen. And what does God do? Ignore that? You know, I'm here to tell you today, I think we're at a point right now in our history. I'm talking about the world. God is about to come up on the scene in a way people are going to be a little upset when he does. Because the smack down is on its way. And there's only one way to get out from under that. And there is a way. Do you know God always makes a way? God always makes a way. But if man doesn't repent, the hammer is going to drop. And that's where Israel was here. Now look at it. Five things. Number one. We'll look at uh, verse 2 there. Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth. That's a pretty ringing, resounding statement. Heavens and earth, listen. For the Lord has spoken. Who's speaking? The Lord. The Lord. And uh, <clears throat> notice that's 
the big one, L-O-R-D, meaning El Shaddai, God Almighty. The Lord has spoken. Listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. He says this, I have reared children and brought them up, and they have rebelled against me. Rebellion is the first indictment against God's people. They rebelled against Him. How many people have children now? Come on. We don't uh, want to raise up children who rebel against us, do we? Um, not at all. God didn't want to bring up children. And you know, God has no grandchildren. We're all His children. He doesn't want to bring up children that rebel against Him. But yet, the, the, the people of Israel had rebelled against Him. You know, we, we got a good inkling of that when He brought them, just as He brought them out of Egypt into the wilderness, they began rebelling against Him. Now we say, well, that was the Jews, and you know, that's human nature. Come on, man. If it was you, you'd have done the same thing, probably. I would have done the same Come on. That's right. They rebelled against Him. That's the biggest problem in our world today. People rebelling against God. Rebelling against God. We see that in our culture, in our society. You know, we'll accept almost any religious form of worship except the one that's toward the true and living God. Am I telling the truth or what? Come on now. Rebellion. Secondly is... Ingratitude. Being ungrateful. Look at verse 3. The ox knows his master. The donkey his owner's manger. Or as the King James I believe says crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. That's a damning indictment. My own people don't know me. And they don't understand me. But notice he uses the word ox and donkey. Beast of burden. That man was given to care for, to be the caretaker of. They were considered, I'll use our own vernacular, dumb animals. Just dumb animals. But he said, you know, even the ox, uh, Roger took me over to see some cattle there, the black Angus, and we had a charlet among them, right? And uh, beautiful, beautiful cattle. And uh, I don't consider any animal dumb, you understand. <laughs> They're God's creation. I love animals. So, What are you saying? That, that even these domestic animals, they know their master. They know who feeds them. They know their crib or their manger. They know that I take care of them. You could care less is what God was saying to His people of Israel. You don't even know. You don't even understand that I'm here for you and I've blessed you and I've taken care of you all these many years and all these generations and you live and act as if I don't even exist. You carry on with your life as if I'm not and yet I'm actively involved. You have food every day. You have shelter over you. I keep you from the storms of life. 
I, I, I'm like a shepherd over you, and I watch over you, yet you treat me as if I don't exist. Yet even dumb cattle, they know me. They know their master, and they follow him. They, they watch out. Remember the story in the Old Testament of Balaam, the prophet? Going to, uh, for money, he was going to curse Israel. Because everything he spoke as a prophet came to pass. So he's on the road to go curse Israel, and, and, and lo, his donkey keeps stopping. What does Balaam do? He gets out and starts beating on the donkey. Donkey goes a few more steps, he stops. And this goes on, the scene plays out. You can read it for yourself. He beats on the donkey. Finally, the donkey turned around and spoke to him. If you're like me, you know, donkeys don't normally speak. You know, they don't have the power of vocal uh, uh, communication like human beings. If God supernaturally opened that donkey, the donkey said, Man, why are you beating me? He said, Because I'm trying to get down the road. Don't you understand? I've got, to go. I've got a job to do. He said, Stop trying to. I'll try to save your life. He said, man, there's a giant angel standing right in front of me and his sword is in his hand and he's getting ready to cut your head off and I'm trying to save your life. Thank you, Jesus. The dumb donkey had enough sense to stop and he was trying to help his own master who didn't treat him very well. Isn't it amazing? I love my animal. My, i got a little dog named Archie. People say animals are just animals, but... He loves me. Amen. He comes up, sits on my lap, gives me attention. If I don't give him attention, he, he gets my attention until I do give him attention. But Israel had become so calloused and so ungrateful that they just assumed everything they had was, I guess, by their own doing rather than realizing God was blessing them and, and providing for them. Do you and I, do we realize today God provides for us? He is our provision. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's the one that gives us all that we have. We need to be grateful. Somebody say amen. Thirdly, we see unfaithfulness. A third indictment. Unfaithfulness. Verse 4. Ah, sinful nation. That's what he calls them. A people loaded with guilt. They were guilty. A brood of evildoers. What's a brood? Somebody help me now. Crowd. A group, yeah, like a, a brood of chickens, or a, I guess they call that a flock, right? Similar type of language there, but a brood. A brood of evildoers. God is calling His own people that? Children given to corruption. Man. They have forsaken, there's your unfaithfulness, the Lord. They've forsaken the Lord. I just do what's right in my own mind. I just live my life any way I want. You know, how many Christians do that? Too many. You think about that for a minute. And I'm not, when I was growing up, I'm going to give you a little difference. Some of you young folk listen to me. When I was growing up, and when people grow up today, there's a big difference in terms of what people are taught institutional-wise as well. Okay? And I, I, I remember being astounded not too many years ago at, and when talking with some young people, my eyes got open pretty uh, shockingly 
Do you know as a child, for me as a boy, to grow up and to fight for your country? We're on Memorial Day here, come on now. To go to serve your country, to lay your life down, was considered an honorable, dignified, correct, proper thing to do. That was a, 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 the, 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 the heroes of a young boy were the generals, the military heroes, the commanders. When I grow up, I want to be a tank commander. When I grow up, I want to fly a jet fighter pilot. I want to go into battle. I want to be an astronaut and fly into space. I want to... You ask kids today, boys specifically, what do you want to be? <coughs> do, you, do you think that they're going to give you that same answer? No. I guarantee you they won't. I talked to a young man one time, shocked me. I said, well, you, you just 20 or some years, you're ready to fight for your country, right? We, I ain't fighting for nobody. Christian man, come on. Yeah. I don't believe in going to fight for I'm going to fight for nothing. How do you ladies feel? Do you feel very secure when you've got young men out here? Many of them won't even... They, you know, what happens if your home is broken into? Now listen, I've watched. I know maybe you have too. Have you seen some of the YouTube videos where the Muslims are coming into Europe? And they're trying to come here. Our president's trying to stop it. But our lustrous... Uh, Government wants to just open the floodgates. Hello? Right. Now you go to Sweden and you just go onto your little computer and you look up YouTube or, or any of the, sometimes Facebook, they put it right on there. And you watch women being raped by Muslims in Sweden, England, Germany. Okay? Just look that up. It will shock you to the core. While the men stand there and just watch. How can you as a man stand there and watch a woman being literally raped and do nothing? You've lost your moral compass. You've lost your... I'm going to step in even if I die. Okay, somebody, I'm not going to let that happen if, it, if I can do anything about it. What happened to that? We, 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 we've, we've lost something. We've forsaken the Lord. Come on. We're not raising we're them up to be men anymore. Yeah. We're not raising them up to be men. Men are men. There's women men. should be women. I don't see men nowadays. You got women walking around got more muscles than men. Sometimes. <laughs> Posing around like that, got tattoos all over Used to be sailors had tattoos up down there, all right. Now you got little girls running around tattoos. Come on. What's wrong with that picture? Some women will pick up a gun faster than a man would. Yeah. yeah we, we've had some what we call um, geo, uh, what do you call that, social engineering going on over, uh, over the last several years to where we. And people began to rely upon the government as God rather than to rely upon themselves and God to help them be God. And God is God. Amen. We don't need the government to be God.
what the people have forsaken. They've spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. That's what the Lord was saying through Isaiah. You think we've turned our backs on God? You ever listen to some of these political speeches that's going on in America? You ever listen to some of the religious preachers on television? The most famous ones of all? I ain't even going to name nobody's name. It's all about what we can do. God wants us wealthy. God wants us prospering. God wants us to have the good of the land. No, God wants you to stop sinning and be obedient. Then He'll give you the good of the land. Oh, we left that out. I'm sorry, we forgot about that. We want His best, but do we, are we going to live for Him? Are we going to live in a righteous way? Somebody say amen. Help me now. Yes. Unfaithfulness, number three. Number four, hard-heartedness. Where did we hear that before? About four weeks ago? Come on. I think Israel would have learned something by then. This is like 700 years later. 700 years later. How old is the United States? It would be three times the length of our age as a nation. They, they had been under God and they had come to this. We've only been a nation how many years? 200 and... We're already right here, if you ask me. Come on. Now, they didn't have the New Testament or Jesus. They had the Old Testament. It took them several years. We, we, we've been a nation for less than 300 years. Look where we're at. Now, when children get out of line, you, number one, first, what is the first thing you do? Stop that. Don't do that. This is why we don't. Can't have that. You, you, you start talking to them, right? Then I think it might escalate to screaming at them. Hello. If you're normal, that's kind of where it goes. What's the third thing you do? Discipline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The belt comes off. Come on. Or if you like my mother, she grabbed anything that was handy. <laughs> Broom handle, vacuum cleaner hose, wooden spoon, anything that was in her hand was, was valuable to uh, use upside my head. Hello? And literally, God uses that analogy with Israel. He said, I'm just going to have to beat you. You're a wayward child, and you're going to take a beating. Literally. And look what he says in verse 5. Why should you be beaten anymore? He said, why do I just keep spanking you? I don't know. It's not doing you any good. That's what he's saying. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in your rebellion? You ever hit a child with a belt? Trying not, you're not trying to abuse them. You're trying to teach them something. And it just seems it doesn't do any good. What do they call a strong little child? I have a strong-willed dad. He said, my belt's harder than your will. And you eventually you're going to break down. I'm going to have my way over you. I'd be like, no, you're not. Well, that belt can get pretty severe, hello? That's great. Why do you persist? He said, now look what he's saying here. I beat you so hard your whole head is injured. Your whole heart is afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there's no soundness. Talk about somebody being sick. 
a nation was sick. Only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. Nothing. You've gotten to the point, I've done everything I can do. I, I have done beat you to within an inch of your life and you still rebel against me. You still don't listen. You don't learn your lesson. You know, at some point in my life, I did learn my lesson. I was one of strong-willed kids. I'd get in trouble. I'd, I needed a woman. Come on, I admit that. But eventually I learned. But Israel's in a situation they didn't learn. He said, well, i got to go to an even stronger method to get a hold of you people. Now, God would get, here's the silver lining in the dark cloud today. He did get a remnant. Somebody say amen. You know God always has a remnant? And there would be a remnant that later on, hundreds of years later, would be in Jerusalem to receive the Messiah. Of course, that remnant had become rebellious and they rejected the Messiah. Then God got even more severe and driven, drove the Israelites into all the nations only to bring them back under the Abrahamic covenant, not the, not the Mosaic covenant. He said, I'm going to give you that land. And what's the, what's, what's the next event prophetically going to happen with Israel? Not the, not, not, not the church, not the world, Israel. <laughs> They're going to get the big smack down. They're going to get the great tribulation. What will be the result of that? And he'll get saved. He's going to save a remnant. So God knows what He's doing. What does God do in our world? That's Israel. He, he, he chastens the church. Every son that He receives, He chastens and disciplines. So you can expect that. Uh, what it would it uh, Peter said, don't uh, be uh, amazed at the fiery trial that will consume you because every son the Lord receives, He scourges. What does that word scourge mean? He beats you. How many in here have been beaten by the Lord? Oh, I know my hands up. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't play. you got parents in the, in the world who won't beat you and they hurt the child. God will beat you and He does beat you. But not for a, a carnal reason. It's for eternal purposes. God is more interested in how you turn out and who you become rather than what you think you are here and now. God's more important. He, he, he deems more important who you are than what you have. See, the world wants everything. But God says, I just want a good person because I'm going to give you everything. Eventually, if you're just patient enough, you're going to get everything. I want it now. And I'm not going to listen to God. I'm going to do my thing. You're just going to get in more trouble. And you're not going to please the Lord. But let's read on and see. They were hard-hearted. Why should you be beaten? Your country, verse 7, is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you. Laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a field of melons, like a city under siege. And unless the Lord Almighty had left some of us survivors, we would have become like Sodom and would have been like Gomorrah. That's where their hard-heartedness had taken them to the judgment of God. He said, you're you going to be just overtaken. Strangers are going to take your goods, take your land, take your fruit. Now when you are in an agrarian society and you plant 
food is for your sustenance and for the sustenance of your nation. But what was he saying? Foreigners are going to take it. They're going to enjoy the work of your hands. You will be left like a tent, just shaking in the breeze in an empty field. That's where you're going to be. What's going on in America today? Where's our jobs going? We got enough people in the country fighting the president who's trying to bring jobs back to America. But we're going to fight him tooth and nail. That's like biting your hand off. The one that's feeding you. Is that insanity? You have leaders so hard-hearted that when a man tries to do the right thing, we've got to stop these people, these terrorists from coming in our country. Oh, he's, he's a racist. He's a Islamophobe. We, we, we. Is that, is that right? Really? You know, when you hear these polls, and I don't know about the polls being accurate, I think they're skewed quite a bit, but when you look at the polls, it's this... It's a lot of people that believe the opposite of what, what, what reality is. Do you know that? How do these folks get to that point? How do you get to that place? He said, unless God had acted, they would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah, which took place during the days of Abraham, 700 years, 800 years earlier. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? They were totally burnt down to the ground. Nothing left. Why? Why did God... Who, who burnt God? Why did He burn them to the ground? Sin. Do we serve a holy God? Now we live in a world today where sin is okay, isn't it? We, we tell the people, don't be guilty. Just go ahead and keep on sinning. Do whatever you want. It's all about how you feel. Not about what's right. You see what I said? When I was a child growing up, I was taught a set of moral action. God was said, this is how you're a man. This is how men act. I remember I was in, I might have been in third grade, fourth grade. My father said, if you ever see somebody hurting a girl, you beat the living daylights out of them. That's what my dad told me. Did you know I did that? I had my opportunity. I didn't go out looking for it. But I did that. Saw a guy picking on a girl. And, and actually hit a striking girl, man. I was in what, the fourth grade. I punched him in the face. And he stopped hurting the girl. Hello? I mean, what, why would somebody... You, there's just a code you live by. You should be. Well, we break those... We break down society. We, we do away with that. You have anything's right. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Live any way you want. Well, I, you know, I, I just feel like I'm a, I'm a woman. I have to tell y'all. I just feel like, uh, you know, I, I identify as more a woman than a man. Really? So I'm gonna create my own reality. Call me Sue now. I'm not Jerry anymore. I'm Sue. He said, boy named Sue. Johnny Cash has something to say. Have we lost our minds? 
And you go over to Bruce Jenner, and he's either got an XY or an X chromosome. You know, he's either a male or a female genetically. I don't care what you do or what you cut off. You, you, you're, you're still whatever you were born as. That's right, brother. But no, we're going to redefine reality. We, we, we are society slip, and that's okay, right? We're going to put it all over the uh, media. We're going to talk about it. And now, of course, you got churches welcoming in the gay crowd and the transgender because that's the, the morally good thing to do. I thought a duck was a duck. It quacks like a duck. It swims like a duck. My God, it's a... Oh, but no, 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 no. We, we can be whatever we want to be. You know, we can do whatever we like. And you got a generation growing up out of their minds. They were left just a few survivors. They would become like Sodom and Gomorrah. And number five, that's the fourth one, ingratitude, is meaningless worship. They were still a religious group. They were still a religious You believe that? You know some of the worst sinners you'll ever meet go to church every Sunday. I better get down on these things. You don't know nothing at me now. Come on. Some of the most vile people you'll ever meet are, are, are in church on Sunday. Some of them in the pulpit. Come on. Oh, that's a ridiculous statement. How dare you? I want you to think about that. Think about that for a minute. Consider, pray about it. Ask the Lord to show you that. Verse ten: Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Now he's calling them. He's calling Israel, and he's calling Judah specifically here, uh, rulers of Sodom. And listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. He didn't make a distinction between his own people and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about that. It has become so bad today. That's why I know we're at the end. I know we're at the end. Many of you know I, who I supported in the presidential race and still do. Because the other choice was so bad. I mean, as a Christian, you just can't go that way. But I want to say this. And, and it's not a... There's no hope in a political party or persuasion in turning people to God if the prophets couldn't do it, if God himself couldn't do it, you're not going to get a president that's going to turn the nation around. I do believe you have one that's trying to do the best he can. And he's being hindered on every side. How do I know he's a good one? Look who his enemies are. That's all you need to see. Look who's opposing him. If he was doing the wrong thing, they keep their mouth shut, just like they did when uh, Obama and Hillary did all the stuff they did. Nobody tried to impeach him or get rid of him. Hello? That's right. And he had plenty to get impeached over. We could, we could make a list. But this man is, is being attacked. But what I want us to see is now he goes to the Middle East and makes an arms deal with Saudi Arabia worth $380 billion over the next 10 years to sell them advanced military equipment. Now, our government in the past will be willing to sell them used military equipment. 
because we're always uh, several decades ahead of the case we got to fight somebody. We know we are the superior. Now we're selling at the top of the line advanced military equipment. A people who hate us, do you hear what I'm saying? Their religion and ideology is totally against the United States. They hate their neighbor, Israel, and yet we're going to arm them to the teeth. Because they're going to spend money and create some jobs over here. See, if you want to follow Trump, his mindset is all about economy. He's, he's, he's good. He understands how to make money and make wealth. But this is all man can do. You understand? He's just a man. I think he wants to do the right thing. But man is so hopelessly like Sodom and Gomorrah that we're willing to make a deal with the devil because we have no sense otherwise. Hello? We have a communist pope in, the, in, in Rome. And we're going to make a deal with Rome. You see? What does all of that say? We, we've lost our moral compass. Then we're headed in a path and a direction much like ancient Israel was. And the outcome will be the same. And it's amazing how the ones who were the original enemies of Israel will be the original it will be the enemies and are today the enemies of the United States. If we move on much further, we will see a confrontation with Iran in the world today. That's biblical prophecy that will be fulfilled. That deal with Saudi Arabia was very prophetic. If you are familiar with Ezekiel's prophecy, you realize that Sheba and Dedan, that's Saudi Arabia, and the young lions of the merchants of Tarshish, that's the United States, will sit out the next war and then be involved in the one that comes after. So what are we going to see? We're going to see Iran make a move on Saudi Arabia because the Bible says that Iran... It, why, why, why strategically would we arm Iran? I'm sorry, Saudi Arabia. Because Iran is threatening to take over the region. The Shiite Muslims are getting defeated in Syria as I speak. They're being pushed back. Mark my words... Iran is going to attack Saudi Arabia. That's why Trump is arming them with the latest. So we don't have to fight. That's a smart thing. So we don't have to fight. They're going to fight. But unfortunately, ultimately, they're going to use those weapons on Israel. So we're helping ourselves for the short term, but we're going to hurt ourselves for the long term. And that's the best man seemingly can do. There's an indictment. If we were like Israel, we trusted the Lord, we wouldn't have to be involved in that mess. If we had pulled out a long time ago, we wouldn't be involved in that mess. Now it is just that a mess. And the people were, he says, look, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams, the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Here they were very religious, 
God was the one who instituted the temple sacrifices. Amen. He told them to do these things. But what, what was the problem here? Their worship had become empty, vain, meaningless. They were going through the motions. How many come to church? I'm going to ask, you, ask yourself this question. And say, you know what? I'm going to, when the songs begin to be, I'm going, I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to focus on Him. I'm going to magnify the Lord. Lord, I thank You that You saved me. I thank You that You're with me. I thank You that You're God. Lord, I give You praise today. Now, if you don't do that in some fashion, from your heart, worship Him, you're worried about the dinner or what you're going to do after service or what's doing this or that. No, no. Worship Him because they were going through the motions of the sacrifices and the mikvah and the presenting themselves to the Lord. He said, that's worthless. You even put money in the offering. It's worthless if you're not worshiping me. God understands meaningless worship. And that was a sin. He said, you observe the new moons, the Sabbaths, the holy convocations, the feast days. You offer incense that is detestable to me. You have become a burden to me, God says. You're just wearing me out, man. You just you, you've become a robot. You, you're not doing nothing. You're, I'm weary of bearing you. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I'm going to hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not going to listen. Wow. What was the problem? Besides the the other indictments, <laughs> they were rebellious, ungrateful, unfaithful, and hard-hearted. Their worship had become meaningless. They didn't repent and they had no faith. You see, that's what is the problem with church in general, with the human race, is many people are religious. Their hearts draw near to me, but their their lips draw near, but their hearts are far from me. You see, we, we have we go through a religious motion. God says, I hate that. Now, all of these indictments, I'm going to give you a little homework. I'm not going to go into it. I speak enough as it is. But you, you read this this week. You go to Revelation and read Revelation 2 and 3. Because everybody said, well, that's Israel. That's, that's not the church. That's Israel. Read Revelation 2 and 3. And every one of those five indictments are given by Jesus to the church. He said, i got some things against you. What was his message? You better repent. I'll blot your name out. I'll take away your part. You'll not rule with me. You need to do this. You need to do that. Five of the seven churches had a pretty serious indictment and charges leveled against them, just as Israel. Same thing. Hello? Same thing. What did we say in Hebrews four weeks ago? That if Israel could harden their hearts, the author of Hebrews would say, you need to not harden your hearts as they did because as they fail, God will not be pleased with you. Hello? That's a warning. Now I want to move on because that is one of my points. Warning. That's the next one. That's an indictment. How many agree? That's a pretty serious indictment. Five charges that all stuck. Amen. They were there. Now the indictment, now the warning. God always warns. Amen. Verse 16. Wash and make yourselves clean. Now, I like this about God. He'll, he'll, he'll point out your problem, but He won't leave you there. Somebody say amen. I mean, He's not interested in just bashing you. He says, look, this is what you need to do. Wash yourself and make yourself clean. 
Take your evil deeds out of my sight. In other words, stop doing wrong. Stop it. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead for the case of the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? God's wanting to do something about their condition. He wants to do something about us today. We need to stop doing some things and then start doing some things. Amen. Sometimes you stop and then you start. Stop sitting, start magnifying God. Start serving God. Start living right. Amen. He said, I, though your sins are scarlet, red, covered in red, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Hallelujah. You go to Revelation. He sees the garments of those who are redeemed. White robes. Hallelujah. You see Jesus coming from Bozrah with a white robe that's dipped in what? Blood. Same, same imagery. Old time and in the future. Same thing. We need to be made white. It's through Christ and through His blood. He says in verse 19, if you're willing and obedient, how many know that old word, obedient, as important for a believer, you will eat the best from the land. God will bless you. Now here we have a religion today, mostly in America, called prosperity gospel, and it's all blessing and prosperity and get up. But there's no obedience in there. That's right. Oh, the only obedience is you give fifty dollars, you get a hundred back. That's called a pyramid scheme. Hello. That's called upon righteousness. Obedience is from the heart in our life, living our lives in a way that pleases the Lord. But if you resist and rebel, this is the warning. But, there's always a but. If you do what's right, willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But, if you resist and rebel, you will be what? Devoured by the sword, or war. Sword is always representative of war. You will be devoured by war. For the mouth of the what? The Lord has spoken it. Now, this was prophecy when it was given. Because they were enjoying prosperity. They were enjoying life like we do today. They had a very high standard of living. They were very religious. But God wasn't happy with them, was He? What happened to Israel after this was written? I think it was 12 years later. What happened to Judah? I'm sorry. War came upon them. And they were taken out. Taken captive. Into Babylon. As slaves. The sword overtook them. The temple in Jerusalem was ransacked. And all the implements used in the worship of God were carried away by the Babylonian armies. Was God joking when He said that? No, He told them what would happen. Did He want that to happen? No, He just qualified verses ahead of that. He said, let's reason together. Let's talk about this. You know, all you got to do is be willing and obedient and I'll give you the good of the land. I'll bless you. They had become so apostate and so far from God that they lost everything. And imagine when the armies began to invade, they had no they didn't have a clue what was happening. They had no clue. What's going to happen here in the United States, do you think? 
I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not a prognosticator. And I don't claim to be a prophet. But I am aware of the Scriptures and a student of the Bible, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I do know what the Bible says happens in the future. And I also know many Christians do not because they don't study the Bible and take it seriously. But I can tell you this, what's going to happen should the Lord... The United States is headed for war. And do you know since World War Number 2, how many know your history real good? We haven't won a war since World War Number two. That's right. Did you know that? The uh, there was a, an article in the uh, Lee Drudge Report this morning. I know I read some crazy stuff. It had a link to an article on the amount of money spent by the United States on wars since World War Two. The last war with Afghanistan, which we're still involved in, if you didn't know that. It's in the trillions, trillions of dollars over 14 years. One trillion, something other 800 billion, something other million. The numbers like this one, okay, has been spent to date on Afghanistan. Now, what 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 do we have to do with Afghanistan? Do they have oil in Afghanistan? No, oil in Afghanistan. Do they have a uh, industry over there where they like make cars and tanks and planes or they, they don't even have airports over there, do they? They don't have they don't make cars, that's right. They ride around on donkeys in the mountains. But we've spent almost two trillion dollars in fourteen years fighting these people. Second one is Iraq. That was over a trillion spent in Iraq. What do we got from Iraq? Now we can we can keep going on. We 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 Killed Libya's leader Gaddafi. We overturned the leader in Egypt, and now they're killing Christians by the scoreboard over there. How many know that? You know that? And we're trying actively to get rid of uh, Bashar Assad over in Syria, who has done nothing to us. They have no threat to us, but that's a national security concern. Why? Are they going to throw a watermelon over here and hit us in the head, or? What do they have over there? And you total all that money up. We have no budget deficit. You know what I'm saying? We we have no issue with uh, helping the uh, veterans and all that. What causes all that? Sin. But you know, we, we're Americans. You know, we're supposed to do that, right? We're supposed to go over there and take over the world. And we're going. You know what the you know what the right wing says? We're we over there to democratize. We're going to bring democracy to these people. Which superpower we do it? Do you, do you, do you, do, do, have we brought democracy to anybody yet? No. Yeah. Do you think these Muslims are going to democratize? No. Now, we just sent the third fleet. We've got the, the, the two, two fleets over there now. We sent a third fleet to Korea right now. You think the world's in sin? Has lost its mind? President spent how many billion? 58 billion was sent on a pallet and dropped on a tarmac in Iran. Was warned that look, these people will use that to get a nuclear bomb. 
They're working on a second nuclear plant right now, making ICBMs that can strike the United States. The United States. What, is, what does the Bible say in Revelation chapter number 17? I sit as a queen and I'll see no bad days. No one can touch me. Not death, no one. But what does God say? In one hour, your judgment will come. And none shall escape. Your mighty men are the great merchants of the earth. Everyone will say, alas, alas, Babylon the Great has fallen, has fallen. You see, a, a reckoning is on its way. The church is by and large totally asleep. The world is heading pell-mell down to the realm of Armageddon, and most don't even realize it. Say, well, that sounds kind of bleak, preacher. It, it is. It's heartbreaking. If I, if you or I feel bad about that, how do you think God feels about His creation doing those things? There is a remedy, and there is a again a silver lining in the dark cloud. I want you to look, and we see the warning given. We'll see the woe, verse eleven. Woe to those who rise up early in the morning and run after drinks, stay up late at night until they are inflamed with wine. In other words, pleasure is all they're seeking. Me, let me get inebriated. I don't want to think about what reality is. Let me get, let me get outside of myself. Woe to those who draw sin along with cords of deceit. Wickedness as with cart ropes. To those who say, let God hurry, let Him hurry His work so we may see it approach. Let the plan of the Holy One of Israel come so we may know it. In other words, they're mocking. They're mocking that the fact that God is going to come and set up Israel's kingdom. They're mocking. Drinking and mocking. Yeah, let us see the Lord's plan. Let's see this kingdom that you keep talking about, preacher. It's going to keep, what did Peter say? It's scoffers would come in the land. Where is the promise of his coming? All things continue as they have since the beginning of time. That's one of the signs of the end of the age. But it was nothing new. They were mocking Isaiah. He said, let us see God's plan. And God says, verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe. They put darkness for light and light for darkness. They put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isn't that amazing? Do we live in a world like that today? Whoa, good evil. Do you know that if you believe in traditional marriage between a man and a woman, and not between a woman and a woman or a man and a man, you're, you're evil. Something wrong, you're a bigot. You're a homophobe, you're a racist if you don't agree with our... They call evil good and good evil. Now, we're saying that in our national media, President Trump or those associated with him are colluding with the Russians, our quote enemy. Wasn't it Hillary Clinton that she was ambassador to Benghazi 
of selling weapons to the ISIS and Al-Qaeda? Wasn't it Hillary Clinton who uh, received large amounts of donations from the Russian government for selling them uranium? Uh, and that's an illegal offense. That's treason if you're in office and you do. That's treason. Do you know what the penalty for treason is? Death. Death penalty. Why no mention of any of that? Why no mention of all the, uh, the deaths that have taken place to those who were investigating the uh, Clintons and so forth? Was, 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 what about the, uh, was it Seth Rich who just disappeared off the sidewalk? Two months later, he's dead. Because he was colluding with the, the DNC, with the Russians. Isn't it amazing how one group saying the other's working with the Russians, yet they're the ones who were taking all the money from the Russians. What do they call it? Good evil and evil? Good. Woe to them. What's the end result going we're going to be in this nation? What happened to Israel? <coughs> Woe to those who are right in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe. They acquit the guilty, verse 13, of a bribe for a bribe, and they deny justice to the innocent. FBI Director James Coney was relieved of his duty, correct? Yeah. He was relieved of his duty. He allowed Attorney General to meet with a former president whose wife was under investigation for criminal activity. Uh, that's called collusion. He did nothing. 30,000 emails go missing. He did nothing. President uh, all of the uh, Democrat leaders were calling for his dismissal. President Obama at the time did not dismiss him. Nine months later, President Donald Trump dismisses him, and now Trump is the guy that's bad. We have lost our minds. Now, how long do you think this is going to go on? How long is this going to go on? I want to get your attention now. Come on. You say, well, you know, preachers normally don't. You've got to go back into history and you'll see in the United States, preachers preach from the pulpit about the government all the time. We haven't done that lately in America. We should be now. But we've been silent for a reason. And I think it's a good thing. But now it's time that, that we can't, we can no longer be silent when people are dying and going to hell. I mean, people are not being informed. We're, if truth is not coming through to you, from the press or from the media or from your own government. Who has truth but the pulpit? Who has truth but this Word? Are we like Israel? Well, I just really don't want to hear that kind of stuff. You know, I just, I just don't, you know, I want to be uplifted in a way. Do you, is that what Israel was telling Isaiah? You think Israel wanted to hear what Isaiah was saying here that I'm reading to you right now? No. We get to a point that, yeah, I'd rather come here and let's just celebrate Jesus and magnify the Lord. Let's all get up and run around the building, hallelujah, and shout hallelujah and have a good time. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be great. Week after week, let's just do that. 
You can't. You can't do that when this stuff is going on. You just can't. It's not appropriate. Somebody's got to say, hey, look. Because who has the ability to make a difference in this dark world? The church. The church. And only the church can do something about it. What's the church doing? Most Like Israel, we're just rolling over, going through the religious motion. Come on now. Are you in your daily walk with God and the people God brings along your way? Are you in, are you informing them? Or are you just... Not like we should. Or are we just silent? Oh, well, I'm saved going to heaven. I'm just going to be quiet. I ain't going to say nothing. I don't want to rock nobody's boat. They might get mad at me. Study the life of Jesus. Study the life of Paul. Study the life of the other 11. Nobody liked them. But now we look back. Oh, they were heroes. They were great men of God. They were. We're going to all stand before the judgment seat. Come on. We have to remind ourselves, church, that the evil conditions that are described in these chapters did not exist in some ancient pagan nation that had never been exposed to God's truth. They were true of Israel. The people in view here were God's people. They belonged to Him. They were His possession. He had chosen them. He had delivered them from Egypt. He had miraculously led them, protected them, fed them, provided for them on their journey to Canaan. Just as He's been providing and protecting and caring for you. And by supernatural power, He brought them across the Jordan. He drove out their enemies out of their land, giving them an abundant heritage which they had by no means earned, and they certainly didn't deserve it. How many have earned and deserve everything you have today? What you and I have is given to us by blessing, by divine providence, by His goodness. He has ruled over them. He said, you don't need a king, I'll be your king. Hallelujah. What did they do about that? They rebelled. We want to be like the other nations. By Isaiah's time, they had even uh, they had a, a much of God's word in written form, so they could easily go to the word. They had the Bible at that time. In spite of all their advantages, they had failed him. That's terrible. Do you ever think about that concerning your own life? I do. Lord, I don't want to fail you. I don't want to fail in my purpose for being. Why are you here? Why do you exist? I mean, think about this for me. This is very profound. Most people will say this at some point, several times in their life, but I want you to think about it. Why are you alive and here right now? We are here to serve the Lord. We were. Okay, you're giving me the right answers. Okay, but I want you to think, do we think somehow I exist so I can do what I want and have a good time and just love every experience in life I could get involved in and just everything will be good. I just, I mean, matter of fact, I, my, 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 I want to have this today. I want to do this. I want to go to this restaurant. I want to go to this uh, particular show or I want to involve it. And, and all week long, I got all these plans. I want to do this. I'm going to go buy that. I need to buy this. I need to have this. I got to have that. You know, I need a new uh, suit, a new dress. I need to do this. And, and, and uh, all, what are we doing? Where's God? Oh, it's, it's, it's Sunday. We've got to go to church. we got to go. Got to hear that guy bore us again, tell us, you know, some depressing message. And Do we get it? 
Why are you here? God puts you here. Listen, I mean, you're here for me. He wants you to be here so you can do what? Bear fruit for Him. We we don't own anything. Nothing. I own my house. No, you don't. Drop dead and see who owns it. <laughs> you're not going to be here forever. You're on your way out now. Look in the mirror and count it. That's for real. Okay, young folks, they don't even think about that. No way, man. I've got a long way to go. I put about 30 years on that frame. He'd be like, please take me along. I used to have hair. Somebody said, say, oh, me, right, Dave? serve God. Are you? Are we a servant of the Most High? Are we a disciple of Jesus? See, we've been taught, you know, I just need to believe Jesus died on the cross and I'm going to heaven. Is that what Christianity is? Well, religion will tell you that. What is Christianity really? Great Commission. Great Commission is going to all the world, make disciples. He didn't say make converts or have an altar call. He, when I come to faith in Christ, I had to give up my old way of life and pursue Him. And it doesn't stop until I either die and go to be with Him or I'm raptured, one or the other. It's a life of commitment to Christ. God first. Everything else second. Amen. What do we got here in America? We got the cart in front of the the cart in front of the what? And you know what? Nobody's happy. said it before and I'll just say it as I close. I've known people who had needs. I'm sure Roger does too, don't you, Roger? Are they any happier than anybody else you know? Man? They said, yeah, but give me a few days. I'll be, I know I'll be different. <laughs> Isn't that how we think? Yeah. Just give me a couple meals. Terry said, I know what I'll do with that. <laughs> it won't change. If anything, you'll change for the worse. You get far away from God. We look back on our life. Remember some of the happiest times, and my wife agreed with it. But we had nothing. Raising four little babies, working all the time, trying to keep ahead above water. We was always broke, busted, and disgusted. But we had Jesus. Amen. So we had everything. Amen. The people, the ruling class, had exploited the poor. And they lived in extravagant luxury and wantonness. Rulers and people alike during Isaiah's time gave themselves to idolatry, drunkenness, dissipation, rank injustice. What's going on today in, in America? Same thing. You've got leaders who have they're taking money. They have, they all create. I like how they you know the president, and vice president, just uh, uh, Pence just created his own foundation for donations. Did you see that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, we all—that's that's 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 the mo. That's the modus operandi. You know, when you get in political office, you create a foundation. Uh, Melania—is that how you say it? Melania Trump, first lady, just created a foundation for children. And who gave her 1.2 billion just last week? One of the Saudi sheiks over there. Hello. 
Raj, if I just came over and gave you 20 grand, do you think I would just expect anything? Or maybe I'd just be a good guy and just say, here, here's 20 grand, right? If I gave you a million, if I gave you, I don't have it, but if I did, most people do what? Examine it. They don't do that for nothing. They want something in return. Oh, yeah. Why haven't they passed the health care bill in, 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 in the Republican Congress? Why haven't they passed that? Well, because all pharmaceutical companies give money to Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, and the other congressmen that are the ones who can pass it. And they don't, they, they're paid not to pass it. It's all about the money. It's all about the... What's the Bible say? The love of money is the root of some evil? All evil. All evil. Even that. Even that. Oh, isn't that amazing? All evil. Think the Bible's true? Yeah. Yep. So we have corruption. That's what God is addressing in Isaiah's time. I mean, hear the old saying, the rich get richer and the... More than poor. Isn't that the truth? What was one of the sins there? I mean, let's, what, what did they physically do? They bought up all the land. And so only one man lived there. All the people were put... It's called Monopoly. We went to a movie last week with my nephew. He invited me to go with him down to the Tyson's Corner. And I had been down there about 10 years. It's even more congested. And we went in the movie theater. There was like four people in the whole movie. On opening... On our opening at 4 o'clock in the evening. Oh, wow. I mean, I've been to the Alamo here where I couldn't even get a seat. But in the city down there, what's happening to the malls? If you were prognosticated, you and you could look into them, do you think there are going to be malls in 20 years in the United States? No. I don't know why. Because all the Amazon, and the other, they're, they're buying everything up. How many get a good deal on Amazon? Come on. Huh? If you get a good deal today, and they put everybody else out of business, you're going to get a good deal tomorrow? That's called, we got you over a barrel. It's unrighteousness. Injustice. What does God say? That ain't right. But my left-wingers, what do they do? They say, well, we just, Mark Zuckerman this week, said, we need to just give everybody a universal salary. How many heard that? Yeah. Huh? What is that called? Communism, hello? We just give everybody, of course, not him, not not him, you know, but the common the common man, you. That's called exploitation. The people who my Isaiah's words were addressed were not much different from the people of our nation today. And you can look at the so-called Christian nations today. And they have a strikingly similar way of forgetting the blessings from which God showered on us and of going obstinately on in our chosen way of self-indulgence and sin. When God's people do not bear the fruit he's, that He has a right to expect of us, then we're, and our, or our fruit we're bearing is inconsistent with our calling, we may suffer the consequences whether living several centuries before Christ like the Israelites did, or 20 centuries after Him, like we do today. God demands that those who profess to belong to Him, whether we be Israelites, Jews, or members of the body of Christ, that we bear the fruit of righteousness through practical holy living. Those who are not bearing this fruit are included under the indictment in which the book of Isaiah opens. And again, as I mentioned, you 
read Revelation 2 and 3, and you'll see the same indictment to the church. God's going to measure our faith by the fruit that we produce. He is the vine, we are the branches. If we abide in Him, we'll bear much fruit. But if we don't, we'll be cut off. Israel was cut off in Isaiah's day. Only a remnant survived. God has nothing but judgment for those who reject Him. But the bright promises of the future joy and blessing that comes with His kingdom are for us to enjoy for all eternity. Let's stand this morning. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.